This show is brought to you by CIUT Studios. Find out how to volunteer, advertise, or donate at CIUT.fm. Trouble so hard, don't nobody know my trouble but God. Don't nobody know my trouble but God. This is a very, very live, radical, reverend show today, and uh, so great to be back live, right? And I just want to give a shout out to Riley and Jasmine on the other side of the glass here at CIUT 89.5 FM. Um, They're great, the best techs in the biz. And of course, I'm your host, Sherry DeNovo. So what's on today? Well, what's on is live in studio, the Reverend Christine Smaller, who was your host while I was away on sabbatical. So she's back with us. We're going to be talking today about Holy Week with her and what's coming up in the Christian calendar. Also, in a few minutes, we're going to have on Freen Khan, again, a past guest on the show, the founder of the Women's Mosque in Canada, the first all-women's mosque uh, to be set up in this country. She's going to be on in a few minutes as well. And of course, you're here out there in listener land. Great to welcome you back. Uh, please let me know what you think. And Note to all, the show from last week, Left, Lefter, Leftist, I know I've had calls and emails. Where is it? It is going to be up now on the station, and I will be posting it on podcast in a couple of days. So if you missed it last Tuesday, yes, you can get it. It should be up on the station right now, and it will certainly be on podcast, uh, Radical Reverend Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts a little later in the week. But for now... Welcome, Christine. Thank you very much. It's so nice to be back here. And welcome back to everything. I know. Wild, right? It's, yeah. Live radio. Who knew? So, so Christian Minister, uh, this Sunday is Palm Sunday. It is. Thursday is Maundy Thursday next week. Good Friday. And Easter Sunday. So this is it, right? This is like the big week in the Christian yes. calendar. This is like the Super Bowl. This is the Super of Bowl of Christianity. Absolutely. So what does it mean? What is it all about? Why should people even show up? Or should they? Or should they? Good. Qu- that's always a good question. Should people show up to church or not? And I think we always say it depends on the church, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, well, you know, Holy Week. It's everything in the Christian calendar. It's really, it's our high, highest holiday. You know, Christmas is a wonderful celebration and an important event in the Gospels, two of the Gospels, but it really does not have the holy significance that Holy Week has. Um, because here we have um, the, the heart of our religion in that we had a leader who came and taught people that God is love and that there are systemic oppression, oppressive systems that can be overthrown if we all come together. And uh, he is killed because of this. Um, but that's not the last word. So that's not the last word. God, God shows us, demonstrates that love and life have more power than any powers or principalities, any, any death any death influences in our world, and Jesus rose again on Easter Sunday. So uh, let's dispel a few myths, and then I'm going to get Farine on the on the show. Uh, a few myths. Uh, it's John's Gospel. It's one of the Gospels that yeah. comes up. Uh, there there are four, and they have different, slightly different tellings of, of Holy Week. But in in John's uh, 
it's and we hear this occasionally with the rise of anti-Semitism in yeah. our midst that the Jews. He talks about the Jews killing Jesus. Talk about that. Absolutely. So for for one thing, I want to preface this by saying that, um, you know, a a priest uh, in Virginia, I think, this week uh, got up in front of a congregation and told them how upset she was that there was a Bible in her middle school child's library. And it was a book. She said it was a book that's full of sexual violence and oppression, uh, you know, systemic influences that keep people down, slavery. Um, you know, so she described this book, and then she said, you know, not only is there one copy, there are multiple copies, and we actually have multiple copies in this church as well. And of course, she was referring to the Bible. So the Bible is our sacred text, but, you know, I think thinking Christians um, realize that it is not every part of the text is something that, you know, literally shows us the life-giving, loving force of God. So having said that, we have to always read uh, texts uh, with a critical eye, a loving critical eye. And the Gospel of John, like the other Gospels, talk about the Jews. And it's so important for all Christians, especially Christian leaders during Lent and Holy Week especially, to teach and remind people that really everyone in the Gospels were Jewish. Everyone was Jewish. The Romans were kind of outside the purview of the people who were the actors in the, in the gospel events. So when John talks about the Jews, he's really, I mean, he's really talking about religious authorities. So he's really talking about uh, the high priests and the, the uh, people who ran the legal system, designed and perpetuated a very oppressive legal system. Um, wasn't meant to be oppressive, I should say that, but was often. So um, there is, we, we really have to be careful about how we talk about the Gospels. Speaking here on the Radical Reverend Show about uh, High Holy Days, and we have someone to speak to that who is the founder of Women's Mosque in Canada. Fareen, welcome to the Radical Reverend show. Thank you. Thank yeah, you if you could speak up a little bit just into your phone, that would sure. be great. Thank you. Uh, so, Farine, you just heard um, Reverend Chris Smaller here in the studio talking a little bit, and we're going to be talking more the second half of the show about the traditions that Christians uh, observe in the highest holy days of our Christian calendar, which is next week. But yeah. we are in Ramadan now. So talk uh, talk about our Muslim communities and what's going on there. Sure, sure. Um, well, in Ramadan is a, a month of reflection. It's a month of fasting. And for some, we would say it's a month of purification. Others would say it's a month of forgiveness. It's definitely um, the month where it's a very sacred month. It's the month that the holy text, the Quran, was first revealed. Uh, in fact, they say it was revealed at the very end of the um, of the month on the, the night of power, which often people say is one of the odd nights in the last 10 days of Ramadan, because um, it is a month long. Uh, and we, we fast from sunrise to sunset um, every day. And, uh, you know, we do our best to continue to, uh, during our, our, our uh, fast, to abstain from from anything that would be considered like uh, worldly or extra, um, so you know, not engaging in in drinking, eating, or or um, for example, you know, uh, intimacy and so on during the the fast because um, you're in a spiritual state. Um, but then afterwards, of course, that's different. Uh, and then and then we have lots of beautiful prayers that we do uh, every night, um, both you know after our, our evening prayer, our five. Um, five prayers, plus we have additional prayers in Ramadan. 
uh, speaking to Fareen Khan, the founder of the Women's Mosque. Maybe we should, because I haven't had you on the show for a bit, talk about the Women's Mosque a little bit. Why a Women's Mosque and how's it going, Fareen? <laughs> Um, well, why a women's mosque? Great question. Um, we started the mosque, and it will be now five years in April, um, which I'm very excited about. Um, grateful that we had the opportunity, Sherry, for, for us to be able to launch the mosque um, at your church. Um, so thank you for your support always. Um, the mosque started because we felt that there was a need for us to start to um, relook at um, the, the role of Muslim women within our faith um, and really start to acknowledge that. Um, you know, there is some inherent misogyny that's come into the way in which Islam is being taught uh, at this time, no different from, unfortunately, other faiths as well. Uh, and there needs to be a space where women can come together, where they can just be themselves, where, there, where we operate from a place of non-judgment, where we can focus on a love-centered approach to faith uh, and lack of the shame and the guilt that comes with uh, being a woman. Um, or those that that's projected onto us. And so we've created this space where women can come, they can pray, we can, you know, feel connected uh, and talk about what it means to be a woman because there's so many beautiful examples of, of really powerful Muslim women that exist um, and also women from before Islam, uh, you know, in our tradition that also um, we can really honor and, and, and look up to. And you've had some good news in terms of your home as well. Talk about that maybe a little bit. Yeah, so we're in talks at this time to be able to purchase a building. Uh, we're very close, or we're, you know, your prayers are appreciated. Um, but we'll be able to set up a center for healing within which the mosque will exist, and we'll also be able to um, set up a, a shelter that has um, supports for women specifically dealing with religious abuse and honor-based violence, which, you know, really encompasses all forms of violence against women, but that which is being justified in the name of, of religion. And, and talk maybe about, because I'm going to be speaking about the, the, you know, the Holy Week in the Christian Church with Christine, but, but speak maybe about the, the role of women in the Quran for somebody who's not Muslim and maybe isn't aware of the role women have played in your faith. Sure. So in Islam, uh, women and men are supposed to be equal in the sight of God. Uh, and we know from, you know, and it's, it's, it's explicit in the Quran in many places that, uh, you know, women and men are equal. Um, and we have a lot of examples of incredible women that have, you know, been a part of, of the war, the journey of Islam. Um, you know, even pre-Islam, we talk about, um, you know, Mary, or we call her Maryam. She's, she's got a whole chapter in the Quran, speaks very uh, beautifully about how um, even as a young woman, you know, even pre her birth, she was, her family decided to dedicate her uh, to the temple um, and, uh, and that, you know, Despite her being a, a, a young woman, they had that, chosen to do that, which is really phenomenal. Uh, and then her strength around, you know, having to, to give birth to, to baby Jesus and doing that on her own. There's so much that shows that kind of power and strength that she had. And then moving into Islam, when we talk about the Prophet Muhammad, uh, peace and blessing upon him, I mean, his first wife, the wife that he spent most of his life with before she passed, say, the Khadija, she was a powerful woman. She was actually his boss at one point. She proposed marriage to him. She was the wealthiest woman in Mecca. She spent much of her wealth being able to support him and, and you know, free so many slaves and do many, so many things that um, purchased lots of land to be able to build community on. Um, you know, after she passed, there was a, his, his, his second wife, Aisha, who also was, um, you know, was quite a powerhouse. She, 
um, was the, the resident scholar and, and taught so many of his companions um, what they know um, and continued to be that leader even after he passed. I mean, there's lots of great examples of how women have played that strong role. And so we really want to reinforce that, that that really is part of our tradition, women being able to be, you know, free and to, to live the life that they want to live and, and to not have to be, uh, you know, um, excuse me for saying this, but to be beholden to the, to the men in their lives, which is unfortunately how often uh, it's taught and, and that's not accurate at all. Speaking to Fareen Khan, who's the founder of the Women's Mosque here, and we're coming, we're in Ramadan, we're in a very holy time of year uh, in Islam, and coming up to Holy Week and Christianity, so pretty holy time of year for both of our faiths. Yeah. Uh, and Fareen, I remember so well when you first had your first service uh, at uh, Trinity St. Paul's before you were out on your own, and and yeah. uh, what a blessing that is. Uh, and I, I remember you were a little nervous, and what is it like now? Many years later, you are a leader of prayer, you're a, you, you, you deliver sermon, what we would call sermons, right. teachings. What's that like now, five years on? Um, it's been really amazing. We have a lot of uh, more women that are coming out to prayer. I mean, with the pandemic, we were online for some time, but we've come back into, you know, offering some options for in-person prayers as well. And it's beautiful to see the women come through and just feel so safe in the faith. Um, and I certainly feel a lot more confident being able to, you know, deliver the prayers and the sermons and, and receiving a lot of really positive feedback back. So, it's been really nice for us to just stand, you know, shoulder to shoulder as women and just like pray. It's very beautiful. Now, you haven't done all of this without getting a little bit of flack. And uh, uh, I'm going to talk to Christine later about the flack that some women in leadership in the Christian church have received as well. Uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about some of the challenges you faced. Yeah, so it's been, uh, it definitely has, uh, there have been some challenges and certainly. Uh, the mainstream community was not very happy with the establishment of a women-only, women-led, women-run mosque. Um, but, you know, that was, I think, expected to some degree. Uh, even today, uh, we don't have uh, necessarily the, you know, um, the, the buy-in or support from the mainstream mosque. But at the same time, I feel like we're still doing a great job in that, you know, we are making ripple, ripple effects. I mean, not, you know, Women are being seen more in uh, some of the sacred spaces. They are giving. Personally, I'm not being invited, but that's okay. As long as the work is getting done, there are still women who are now speaking. You know, in different sacred spaces, they're being invited to conferences and they're being able to to voice their opinions, which is important. So I feel as though we're still making progress. It's, it's slow and you know steady, um, but certainly it's. It's uh, one step in the right direction. I do have hope that the next generation of, you know, uh, male leaders will also be more supportive and uh, more open to the idea of a women's mosque because we aren't going anywhere. We're going to be here for a long time. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, without, you know, so hopefully one day we'll be able to do some collaborative work with the, the mainstream community. But at this time, we are sort of over here as an alternative, and, and, and I'm okay with that. You're not alone either. There's, I noticed uh, as I was looking you up again uh, mm -hmm. that there's a women's mosque in the in the U.S. How many countries now? Has a... uh, five. So we've got five. We're the fifth at this time. Yeah. Which is amazing. And I was going to point yeah. out that this is a generational change too, of course, as it was in Christianity and faiths right. before you. Uh, let's talk about uh, the end of Ramadan Eid. What yeah. what happens at the end? 
So at the end, we we celebrate. It's the you know it's the it's the final day. It's the day after we've we've done either we we operate from the lunar calendar, so it's either the 29th day. Uh, we have 29 days of fasting, or the 30 30 days depends on the on when we sight the new moon. Um, so regardless, we'll be able to have a celebration. We have a special prayer in the mornings, uh, and then folks are generally you know. Um, it's, it's customary for people to sort of visit family or loved ones or um, spend time with community and just like just celebrate the, the beauty of what has been the last 30 days or the last month of, of sacred prayer. It, it uh, sounds beautiful. And when does that happen this year? What? Uh, it'll likely be on the 19th to the 20th of April. And just finally, Farine, uh, speaking here, uh, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show. Your host, Sherry DeNovo, here with Chris Smaller in studio uh, and Farine Khan, founder of the Women's Mosque on the Line. Uh, if people want to get, if women want to get in touch with you, Farine, what do they do? How do they get you? Yeah, sure. So if you go to womensmosque.ca, that's the best place to go. And then you can send us an email through the website or you can send us an email at info at womensmosque.ca. Thank you so much and have a very blessed Ramadan and a very joyful Eid. Thank you so much. Well, back in studio, Christine, you just listened to another woman. Uh, and maybe just before we go to break, we can talk about women in the Holy Week story. What's the role of women in that? Yeah, very important. I just want to say that was so exciting to hear. I've known a little bit about the Women's Mosque, um, but how wonderful to hear. Five years in. Oh, my gosh. You can just feel the spirit. That's amazing. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, many faith, many female faith leaders um, are not invited to things, conferences. Many times I've been in a town where I've been the only woman minister. I have, you know, not invited to the ministerial, the breakfast, the celebrations. Holy Week wouldn't happen without women. And all of Jesus's ministry would not have happened without women. So similar as we were hearing from Farine, and especially, you know, we share Mary, um, and we share the strength of Mary. Um, but Jesus's ministry was financed by women and uh, supported in all ways by women. His best friends were women. His best supporters were women, you know, so it would not have happened. And Holy Week is so interesting because depending on the gospel version that you're, you're reading, um, it's the women who go. The men are frightened and disappointed, understandably, uh, when Jesus has died and, and put into a tomb. The men were scared. They, they were really away. scared. They sold him out. They did. Well, they there is that, too. There is that, too. And I think the women were scared, too, and upset, but... They had the courage to go to the tomb, and they're the ones that found and the cross to the cross oh, mm-hmm. and to the tomb, um, and to the resurrection. And uh, it, they were the ones that were, they were the first disciples to hear about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they were pretty much the only disciples who stayed with him right through his death, which is, is so important and not really, has not been really upheld in our tradition. I mean, women in Christianity, and I'd like you to speak to this through our history, have had a really hard time fighting for ordination, for example. Oh, there's still no ordination in so many traditions. The majority of Christian denominations and churches 
have no and interestingly enough um, and a shout out to Joanna Manning and others in the in the Roman Catholic tradition who have started something similar to what free yeah. has a kind of women's led Roman Catholic church but you're right uh, most Christians will never see a woman at the front standing and handing out the sacrament and let's be clear and let's be transparent in the United Church of Canada there are congregations who refuse to have women in the pulpit today. Yep, and uh, we could go into the um, pay disparity too. Oh, we could. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of work to do. There's a whole lot of work to do there. Um, let's let's talk about this Sunday's Palm Sunday. So at the story of Holy Week. So Jesus, you know, w- comes to town, and it's a parade. It's a parade, and I think the key to understanding. Uh, Palm Sunday and how Jesus enters enters Jerusalem is that it's actually a parody of how someone high in the Roman Empire would enter into a city. So there would be a procession. There would be, you know, the the king or the emperor would be on a big horse surrounded by soldiers in gleaming uh, uniforms, and he would enter in as all the people uh, bowed down before him. Jesus comes in. The first thing he does when he's just outside Jerusalem is he tells someone to go and get a donkey. And it's actually an ass, really, when you do the translation. He gets a little, little tiny horse um, gets on top of it and he has this ragtag group of disciples who look you know like they have been traveling on the road for three years which they had without you know much and he ambles in clop 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 on his donkey so it's a parody he's he's showing um, the it's like emperor's new clothes kind of way he's showing the crowds and us through scripture um, the the ridiculousness and the oppressiveness of that type of pomp and ceremony. He comes in, the crowds are shouting Hosanna, which means save us. Uh, most of them are hoping that he's a military hero who is going to form a bloodthirsty army to redeem them from the Roman Empire. Um, and he does not do that. So the crowds are cheering Hosanna, save us, we love you, at the beginning of Palm Sunday. At the end of Palm Sunday, they're shouting, crucify him. Speaking to Reverend Christine Smaller here, uh, you may know her from listening to the show in January and February when I was on sabbatical. So yeah, thank, thank you, for, you again for, yeah, for inviting for me to do that. That holding, was so much fun. Holding that down. So we, we move in, we move from that. And so if you wander into church, you'll probably see, in mainline denominations, some palm leaves. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so there's that. And then, and then we. And can to, I just say too, sure. just just to yeah. say that. So this year we're reading the Matthew version, and there's actually no palm leaves in the biblical text. So this is a great example where tradition trumps scripture. <laughs> Not that I'm against palm leaves. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so true, so true. And then and then we move on in the week to something called Maundy Thursday. Why Maundy? Maundy, hmm. Maundy. Yeah, it's uh, so it's uh, it's this. The service of, so it's sad. It's very sad. It is a commemoration of the Last Supper, uh, where the night before Jesus died, where he shares supper with his friends. And we should probably also say that our Jewish siblings are about to 
to celebrate one of their high holy high holy days. Um, Passover is coming up. That's true. So yeah, we all Passover. kind of can join at, at so, this time of year. Mm-hmm. So Jesus was was in Jerusalem for Passover, mm-hmm. and being a good, faithful Jewish person, he was celebrating Passover with his. Um, his friends and his companions. And Which is kind of, just to interrupt, that's kind of an inversion. I, I love what you said about parody with Palm Sunday. That's brilliant. And I'm going to use that, steal it from you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, But I mean, even his celebration of Passover, which is a celebration of liberation, is kind of an inversion of that celebration because he's looking at the opposite. He's looking at not... Death rather than liberation. Yes, exactly. And so this is where anti-Semitism can sneak into um, or be forced in. I should say it sometimes very intentional um, because he gathers with his friends in an upper room protected from um, the, the city itself because at this point people want to kill him. And it's important to say that they don't want to kill him because of faith they, you know, some people want to kill him because he's upsetting the systems. He's challenging the religious and political and economic system of the time, and uh, he's upsetting a lot of people, um, you know, mostly those in power. So he gathers with his friends, um, and they have supper like they would, uh, and he, that's when communion, a Christian sacrament, is instituted. So during the supper, he takes bread and he asks God to bless it. He gives thanks for it. He breaks it and he gives it to everyone in the room. And there would have been lots of people there. It wouldn't just have been the disciples. There would have been tons of different people, women, women. children, women, children, all sorts of queer people, all sorts of people. And he breaks the bread and he gives thanks and he offers it to everyone there saying, you know, take and eat this bread. Um, And when you do so now and in the future, when you do this, remember me and remember what we've done together these past three years and what we stand for and what God is. God is love. Then at the end of the supper, he takes, you know, what they would have been drinking anyway. People drank, you know, low alcohol wine because water was not necessarily safe. Took a cup of wine, did the same thing. He blessed it and asked God to give thanks, passed it around and said, you know, take, drink. This is... Um, this is representing the new covenant, you know, the new covenant with God. And whenever you drink this in the future, remember what we're doing and what God has promised us. Um, But he does something else that is really weird, and the disciples found it totally weird, is that he gets a bowl of water out, gets a towel, and he tells everyone that he's going to wash their feet. (laughs) And the disciples kind of freak out, saying, you're not going to wash my feet? Are you kidding me? I still say that. (laughs) I still say that. I'm not taking my socks off. I'm, I remember back in the day happen. we would do those services and people would come in nylons, you know, and it'd be like, oh, anyway, that's uh, clergy humor. Not so funny. But so he, he convinces them that, no, he's going to wash their feet, which is something that a host would do for a guest when they came in because it was very dusty. So it's not that the act was so bizarre, but it was that someone who was the Messiah would do this. And he was modeling... Um, how to, you know, be with one another, how to love one another and to show that love in, you know, all sorts of ways. And he was really demonstrating a type of equity that really was shocking. It's still shocking, really. 
Absolutely. Speaking here with uh, Reverend Christine Smaller, and you heard earlier Freen Khan about Ramadan, and and uh, now we're into um, uh, talking about Holy Week, which is coming up, which is why we're doing this show this week on Radical Reverend Show. Uh, and it's something to be said here when we were talking about anti-Semitism and how it's crept into all of this and been forced in, as you've aptly put it, is the Christianization. I, there was that period in the Christian church, and we are, many of us are guilty of this, you know, you're yours truly included, of of doing a kind of Christianized Seder. I was just thinking um, about that and, this week. And, the, and so don't do that out there uh, is, is number one. Yeah. Uh, because first of all, the Seder wasn't instituted when Jesus was around. It came much later than his era. They probably were lying on couches like the Romans. I mean, yeah. they were probably doing yeah. it very, celebrating Passover very, very differently. But also it's it's an egregious form of appropriation of Judaism. And so, you know, really, if, if your church is doing that, you might want to talk about it. Just uh, don't do it. Yeah, just like don't do it. have a gathering. It. You yeah. know, you can have a gathering, but yeah. 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 I mean, there was that thing though, right? Back in, in the day. It's and still we, happening. Yeah. It's still happening. Yeah. And we did, we could say, I remember when we did it, we did have a Jewish person come and lead it. And, you know, my family is Jewish, so I had some familiarity. We still, still should not have been doing it, but we didn't know any better. And now we do. And it's like a revelation, any revelation, like the revelations over the past three years, right? Once you know, you cannot unknow, and you have to act in accordance with your new knowledge. And that sounds like a good place to take a break. <laughs> um, we're going to do a little bit of station ID. You're going to hear a tune. Um, thank you, Jasmine, out there on the other side of the class. Uh, and we're going to come back. We're talking all about this holy time of year when the great face, um, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, people of the book, uh, celebrate. We'll talk about that in a minute.
And we are back. Uh, that was Men I Trust, Billy Poppy, in case you didn't know. And we didn't know, so we really great enjoyed song. that tune. It was a great song. Uh, thanks again, uh, Jasmine and Riley, on the other side of the glass. And you are listening to The Radical Reverend Show. Of course you are. And your host, Sherry DeNovo. And I'm in studio with uh, none other than the Reverend Christine Smaller. And we are talking about this holy time of year. We were just talking about Jesus celebrating Passover. Uh, Christians, please don't do that. Uh, do not appropriate Judaism for your own uh, purposes. This is probably true of all religions, right? It's like, true of everything. Yeah. I mean, everything. Yeah. I mean, don't appropriate. Um, so anyway, we're talking about that uh, and, and what that meant and the fact that there were more than a handful of men sitting on one side of the table <laughs> to celebrate that. For the photo op. Exactly. <laughs> um, although I have to say, you know, as a, a, a queer person that I, that the, you know, John, the disciple that Jesus loves sitting there uh, is portrayed by Leonardo uh, da Vinci, who is maybe homosexual, as, uh, as feminine traditionally pre presented as feminine, John Jesus. And I'll just leave that out there with you. Do with it what you may. But um, suffice to say, Dan Brown's wrong. Not a woman. <laughs> Not a woman. The women were on the other side of the table, That's as right. I say. So so, so we're talking also, and of course, you, if you listen to us talking to Free and Khan, it's Ramadan and ending in Eid and uh, the role of women in Islam, which is uh, should be heralded more as well as the role of women in Christianity. Uh, so... Good Friday. What, what's so good about Good Friday? What's so good about it? Well, I, I, my understanding is it's called Good Friday, which is from God Friday. So it's about how God revealed God's self on Friday. But what's good about it? I think what's good about it is that it models um, and, and gives us permission to feel the depth of human sorrow normalizes it in a way, although the crucifixion, you know, is has been used to normalize uh, terrible violence. So we have to be careful of that, too. But, you know, I think that Holy Week uh, shows us that as Christians, we are invited, as every other faith is, too, but in this particular case, within our own tradition, to really welcome um, and experience all all types of emotion, you know, from deep, deep sorrow to, you know, just blinding joy and that's what we, that's sort of the, the, the arc of Holy Week. Um, so Good Friday is a day that, depending on your tradition, you wallow in or you ignore. Sherry, you and I come from a tradition that tends to avoid Good Friday because um, we're not that comfortable with our emotions. But um, Good Friday is really in my, you know, how I relate to Christianity the most important day of the Christian calendar, more important than Easter Sunday, although Good Friday and Easter Sunday are connected and they really should not be divided, which is why people should go to Good Friday. So with Good Friday, we, we see, we, we see, we witness the ultimate implications of a violent, oppressive economic and political system. We see that it ends in death, always. Um, and we see uh, a rabbi, a teacher, who is willing to go to death um, to demonstrate that we can challenge that system and that God will be with us no matter what happens, whether we you know, choose to you know, stand up to it to our own detriment 
Or, like you said, if we are like Peter and we deny even knowing anything about it, God is still with us, um, no matter what we do. But we are shown a way um, and are inspired to challenge the principalities and powers of this world. Uh, speaking here with uh, Reverend Christine Smaller about Holy Week coming up. You're listening to the Radical Reverend Show here. Emphasis on the Reverend this week, this time of year, uh, and we're, we're still you know, radical. Yeah, and and what is Good Friday? I, I mean, one of the most important aspects of this is the traumatic and horrendous aspect of the Roman oppressive empire. I mean, this has to be stated in no uncertain terms. Uh, if you want to get a, a picture of horror, worse than any horror film you've ever seen, think about the roads to to uh, where the crucifixion was. Yeah. Many major roads and thoroughfares of the Roman Empire would be lined with people with crosses and being crucified. It was a standard form of torture and death in the Roman Empire. So imagine the smell, the carrion, the horror, the screaming, the, um, the families weeping around. I mean, this this was the way Rome wanted people coming into their centers of both colonialism and, of course, Rome itself to see them and to understand their empire. So uh, pretty horrendous. Uh, we tend to, in this era, keep our death far away. We don't even like to see it on television. If there's a war going on, please don't show me. Just, you know, fund it. Uh, so there's that. Then it was very much in your face. So we come from a kind of post-traumatic faith, really. We're all kind of post-traumatic completely in the Christian world. So trauma is at the center here. And so you imagine this this figure who has been beaten, tortured, whipped, so the scripture goes, and then hung up, which would be a long, excruciating, very slow It could death. take days. Yeah, it could take days. So if any of you out there knows what it's like to sit with somebody who is dying uh, terminal, first of all, much love and light be with you. Yes. Uh, but you will get a small snippet of what it must have been like for those that love these people. And, uh, and you can see why the terror in the disciples yeah. was there and was very real because this could happen to them and did ultimately for most of them. They, most of them died um, not necessarily by crucifixion, but they died horrible deaths just for being there, just for following this rabbi. For, just for being alive even. Yeah, yeah, just for being alive under the empire. So the important, and the other important uh, takeaway, and, and Christine, you've mentioned to me is that uh, this was a, a state murder. This was a murder Completely. by the state. Completely. Um, so I, I, when I think about it, I think about the recent news of, you know, where was it in the United States that brought back um, because they re they couldn't get enough uh, chemicals to to kill prisoners oh, by yeah. poisoning uh, euthanasia. So they brought that back the firing squad. Where is that? I mean, you know. Texas, Call me or text maybe, yeah. me if you. Where is it? Maybe Texas. Is, no, it wasn't sure Texas. No. I, it was. It was less obvious. I'm. I'm thinking like, sorry. Um, I don't think we'll so. We'll find out. We'll yeah, find out. Yeah, actually, I, I, I'm saying Riley or Jasmine. Maybe you can you can Google that while we're on air and let me know. Uh, but I, I, this is how horrendous. I mean, so it's still going on. So we're still executing people, not quite as in as grisly and overt. Oh, a control way. is through violence and terror. Idaho, Idaho, of all the Who unlikely knew? places. And by the way, in Idaho, out there for the queers listening, uh, just made illegal gender-affirming surgery for, for kids. So 
Idaho in the news for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. But getting back to Good Friday, so this is the, this is a commemoration of what is still, in a sense, happening in our world, right? It is, and it's, you know, we talked about um, Palm Sunday. You know, what Jesus was trying to do is he, he didn't want to take power. So he wasn't there to have power transferred from one group to another group. He came to just totally re-educate us uh, of what power is for. So all people knew was power is control, right? And we see that. Of course we see that. Power is just used as control, and he brought uh, a whole new way of seeing things, power as love, power as life, power as community, power as equity. Um, and that upset everything. But there's so many, you know, we have to be very clear. That we're talking about very different cultures, our own, um, and uh, Jesus, the culture that Jesus lived within. But there are definitely parallel markers that we, we, are, we should really be um, understanding and that whole thing about empire. Yes, it wasn't a capitalist society in the way that we think of it, but um, it was empire. We live in empire, no question. Uh, speaking with Reverend Christine Smaller about Holy Week and all the implications, I mean, one of the things I was thinking as you were speaking, Chris, was, um, uh, and I was just part of, uh, shout out to Serge, uh, a, a teach-in, Des Cole was there, right. and and one of the things he said really resonated with me, but in talking about the way we see policing now, is it, it where did that thought that if there is a crisis moment, for whatever reason in people's lives, that what you want is men with guns and uniforms showing up to it. And when you put it that way, it's a very... It's a it's, militarization. It's a militarization of, of, crisis, of crisis moments yeah. in people's lives. Uh, and, you know, why wouldn't there be some other kind of showing up? Well, you know, ex- that exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And that's what it would have been like, particularly this Passover, because we hear that, like, not this Passover, the Passover of that Jesus died, because we hear that they, the authorities were worried about insurrection, and so there was even more military presence, police presence. We're seeing that in Toronto, we're seeing that in the subways, the TDC. Um, and it's the knee-jerk reaction of oppressive authorities uh, when they get scared um, to militarize, to make a bigger military presence, whatever they want to call it. They can call it police, they can call it whatever they want. It's the military. Yeah. So faith is political, folks, out there. It's all political. Uh, and then, okay, we couldn't, we can't, because, you know, we, we can't skip it. We can't, we can't get out of the hour without talking about Easter. <laughs> of course. Yeah, because that's, that's, the, that's the happy ending, just like Eid is the happy ending of Ramadan. Uh, uh, and, of course, in, in, in Judaism, Passover, this is, the happy ending is the liberation of, of, of Jews from, again, a colonialist, oppressive uh, society in which they were slaves. What about Easter? Well, Easter, it's just amazing. It's, you know, Easter is the day that just breaks all the boundaries that we know about. Easter. Rabbits. What, what Rab- about rabbits? <laughs> rabbits. I, oh, my gosh. So, f- listeners, I have to tell you that Sherry had a rabbit for years that she introduced to the children's uh, group, the children's church. Oh, that rabbit was awful. That rabbit was the worst rabbit ever. Oh, no, that, Next rabbit, year, that okay. was her sweetheart. Yeah. But anyway, go Easter. On. It was called Easter. Was it, what was it? it was Easter no, the no, rabbit. Easter was the cat. Easter was that terrible cat. Thanksgiving right? was the rabbit. <laughs> Thanksgiving yeah. was yeah. the rabbit. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All these church memories. I have to tell you, folks, Sherry was is an amazing minister. She, was, she still is my minister, but uh, she was my whole family's minister. You baptized me. 
married me, yeah. baptized my kids. Anyway, um, Easter Sunday is the day that hope just bursts forward, just like spring does. You know, in the dead of winter, you never think that something is going to grow again. Easter Sunday is the day that God demonstrates that death does not have the final word, that we're not just physical beings. It's not just material that's that's real, um, but that there is spirit and Jesus is resurrected. Um, and we see the joy, we hear the joy in his disciples' words, you know, the extreme amazement and, and the joy. Women, women, women there absolutely. Again. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There. Um, their joy and how it inspired a whole movement. Um, yeah, the hope in it, the joy in it, the, the unexpectedness in it is so wonderful. You can't kill revolution, folks. You can't, you can't kill love. Yeah, that's right. It's going to, it's going to, yeah. You just can't, just can't. You can kill yeah. a body, a person, but you can't stop the movement, right? No, there's always going to be hot cross buns in a Christian church. <laughs> on it. You can't not stop that yeah. either. But um, back to back to to bunnies, and and I'm sure I'll, I'll get emails on this. But I just, <laughs> you know, you reminded me of Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving. So basically, what we used to do at the church, you know, was this idea of this is miracle season. So we would take the kids would go home with like, you know, as a pretend you know stuffed rabbit that's right and then on With a little book uh, and, and they then would, they a little book and then keep they track of what they were doing and the then they would bring it back the best minister, and really. then no no and then the, and then that <laughs> that bunny that that you know, toy bunny would become a real we rabbit ready. right and to and do you remember the baby bear remember what <laughs> we Gabriel? did with baby bear yes and so yes. Uh, so so what do you do like so the there was a you know teddy bear that would go home with the kids, and then, and then what? Do, how do I try? You know, change a teddy bear into, into a real, real bear, bear. Or into a real baby bear. Well, we had a baby. <laughs> Don't you remember? It's Gabriel, like Stevens. Stephen so he, Milton, so he was think. streaked all through the church. Yeah. So, so this awesome. baby came running down the uh, running down the aisle with a you know I think he had a diaper so on, but it was like baby bear b a r e. But anyway, it was church a lot of fun. Was so fun. But yeah, but thanks. So out there, you know, rabbits. I I'm sorry, folks. They do not make good pets. Do not get your children a rabbit for Easter. I, we love Thanksgiving, but like you have, they have to be Just caged. Just tell your minister to get a rabbit instead. <laughs> yeah. They have to be caged. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're, they, their teeth are always growing. They're ruminants. So like they will chew your cords. They will destroy everything in your house if you let them loose. So unless you want a pet that you keep in a cage all the time, which yeah. is not my idea of fun, um, do not get a rabbit for your children, please. Humane Society could- will thank you. You. Yeah, but they're a great symbol, right? The fertility, the fertility, yeah. because of course, Easter also, I mean, we haven't talked about this, but you know how we've shown the connection between uh, Christian and Jewish holidays, high holidays, but they're really, there's the, the foundation is pagan um, high, high holidays. So, you know, the fertility rites that were, that were That's done. Right. In so Easter is about beginning. sex, folks. It's about <laughs> sex. Come on. That's part of it. That's part of it, too. It's about birth. Yeah. It's rebirth. definitely about birth. Yeah. Rebirth. Consensual sex. <laughs> yes, between, always. You know, always. Consenting adults. Always. Um, always. <laughs> Among, and, not just know, between. <laughs> of course. Um, and however, you know, uh, you know, whatever you believe or however you believe it. And, and there is a range of belief about Easter we should sure. put out there in the Christian tradition, um, whether this is physical bodily resurrection, whether this is spiritual or this is metaphor, whether this is, I mean, what we do know historically is not much, right? No, it's interesting. We, we don't know a lot, but we, the Gospels are actually a very unusual text in that they, 
they depict um, ordinary folks' lives. So we have very few texts um, that have uh, that are still around that depict ordinary people's lives. So we do have information. Uh, it's we can't say it's it's history in the way that some people like to say it, but it's we have some good information for sure. And something you know, I think about Easter Sunday that we really have to remember is let's let's remember the mystery of it. Let's permit ourselves to embrace possibility and mystery that God did something amazing on that day um, that spawned uh, a revolution, a religious revolution, and a 2,000-year tradition. It was so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, it's phenomenal, truly billions of people around the world. (laughs) And by the way, they don't all live in Texas and uh, (laughs) And Idaho. uh, And they don't all support Trump. So uh, we have to remember that. Real Christians don't support Trump. They couldn't. They couldn't. You you cannot follow the Jesus um, in the Gospels and adhere to Trump-like politics. It's impossible. Although, you know, there's this thing about loving your enemy, right? I mean, Jesus, and, and one of the lessons of Holy Week is that you know, like Peter, you know, try to get a sword out, try to like fight back. And he said, none we of that. Off, he cut and, off that and, ear. It, yeah. It was miraculously put back on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's sort of, it's, yeah. It's, but let's, let's be clear here. Yes. I mean, there's, you know, we can hear these things, love your enemies. Absolutely. But let's be clear about who Jesus was. Jesus was not a milk toast, you know, passive, uh, you know, leader who was just like, everything's fine. You're okay. I'm okay. Let's just all get along. He was the exact opposite of that. For him, showing love to the world and to his friends um, was to battle the system that oppressed them. So let's be really clear about how um, you do not have to support systems that you know are toxic to be a good Christian. In fact, it's the exact opposite, which is what Good Friday and Easter Sunday show us. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, the Jesus of Lent, because we just lengthened days, yeah. Lent's short, you know, just came through this period of Lent, which is similar in a sense to the to Muslims' Ramadan. Um, it's a was traditionally a time of fasting, um, prayer at, and at prayer, and yeah, yeah. and um, and that. That ends on Palm Sunday, really, or just before Palm Sunday, or sometimes earlier if you have a big chocolate craving. That's Let's true. Let's be real. That's true. Or if you're giving up something <laughs> for it. Um, but but uh, you know this this was a time when Jesus overturned tables. I mean, flipped tables. You know, he this made is, a whip. He he yeah. himself made a whip with multiple knots on it. He took it into the into the faith community building. And he whipped people. Like I'm not saying that that, that that gives us permission, and we you know we could talk for hours about normalization, you know, normalizing violence in the Bible, but we need to remember that about Jesus. He was wild and wonderful, and you know, full of depth. And we can't make him into a two dimensional, uh, you know, paper doll that justifies all of yeah. our own actions. I mean, he raged against religious authorities at this. He day. was the original person who raged against the machine. No question. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, that's Jesus. Of Lent, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's Jesus leading up to this period. Also during Lent, he's the one who, you know, wept, wept bitterly because one of his best friends died and because he had so much compassion for the other people that were grieving. I mean, so he, he was also that. Um, he was also, you know, he was so many was, things, mm-hmm. full of compassion and love. Um, but also he put up with no crap. Yeah. 
And it's it's interesting uh, for those who out there who are interested in philosophy. And by the way, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show. If you wonder what are you listening to, <laughs> um, and uh, we got uh, Reverend Christine Smaller in in the house. And you heard a little earlier if you were in in tune for that. And if you're not, please do listen on podcasts and listen to later later in the week because you will hear Fareen Khan, uh, the founder of the Women's Mosque. We're talking about all these holy days that are coming up in the people of the book. Jews, Muslims, Christians, Holy Week's coming up, and that's what we're talking about here and now. And uh, the, the figure of Jesus and the fact that he was uh, truly, in, in a sense, a revolutionary. He, 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 in all he, senses. He, uh, he opposed uh, a horrible colonial violent, uh, dictatorial state. He stood with the marginalized always and over and against religious authorities of his day that did not stand with the marginalized, and that's who he is. And on Easter, it's really a kind of celebration that it's that spirit that lives on forever, right? Absolutely. And you think about liberation uh, theology, which I think was born out of the Sandinista movement in Nicaragua, and how um, Easter Sunday is just so important to show that there's hope. Like there has to be, you know, it's like my grandfather always said, who was a Marxist Jew, you know, about Emma Goldman. He was so excited because he actually touched her hand one day on Spadina back in the day. Anyway, enough ha- family history. But, you know, Emma Goldman always said, I don't want a revolution if I can't dance. And that's what Easter Sunday is about. Yeah. And by the way, uh, the social gospel movement in Canada predated liberation that's theology. True. So social gospel came out of the prairies with Ben Smiley yeah. and other theologians. People like Tommy Douglas, Tommy Douglas. Uh, J.S. Yeah. Woodsworth came out of the social yeah. gospel movement, which well, they were very Christian. They and were very inv- evangelical, actually. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And they couldn't, they could not imagine. Uh, being in politics without standing with the marginalized, the sick. Because they read the Gospels. Like, you just just read them, and it's it just, it's a, you, you cannot not fight for for equality. Yeah, so I guess we have to just say something about the, the religious right at this point, because it dominates the news, for sure, especially south of the border, and uh, and I just want to say that they dominate the news, but that is not the expression. I, and when I was in politics, I used to travel in the States a lot on conferences, and I would always look in those days for a church that was pro-equal marriage, same-sex marriage, and against the Iraq war or whatever war the Americans were involved in, and there's always a war. So I would look for those two markers, and I would be in Mississippi, I'd be in Alabama, I'd be in Louisiana. I never could not, I always could find a church that, uh, and that was full, that recognized those ideals. So so even though the Christian right makes the news, it's not uh, an accurate reflection, I think, of much of Christianity. Would you say that? Am I being optimistic? It's hard to say. You know, it's like any, you know, you know, remember the moral majority, if it were neither. Um, like, it's hard to tell What's going on just from the news? And this, I'm, this, I'm not you know, condemning the news at all here, but because the loudest people are the one that get the most press. So I think that, I mean, I guess one thing we have to say is that Christianity has been responsible for so much violence and oppression. You know, you know colonial effort was, could not have happened, could not have been successful without Christianity. So there is that. Um, but what I would say is that, like you're pointing to, there are Christians all over the world that are reading the Gospels, 
trying to understand who Jesus was and is and are in, you know, prayerful discernment with God all the time to learn what God is calling us to and to ask God um, and our community to give us, to equip us to do that task and empower us to do it. So I would say, what I always say is you, there are churches out there that will welcome you and will do their very best imperfectly because we're all human and we're flawed, but we'll do their best to model the love of Christ. And, and just a, a note to all out, uh, those out there that, uh, yes, enjoy uh, Leonardo, Lenny, Lenny da Vinci's paintings, but, uh, <laughs> but don't, uh, don't take them to heart. Uh, God is not a big old white male with a long white beard. Uh, God, blue eye, white blue eye yeah, Jesus. God, yeah. is, God is actually equals. There's almost an equal sign there in the Gospels. God equals love. And I remember being on a CBC program, this is true, and debating, um, I was one of a few on this panel, debating Richard Dawkins about this <laughs> very issue, um, you know, adamant and religious atheist, uh, there is such a thing, uh, religious atheist, and he, and I, I said, well, God is love, like, and, and his response to that was, well, that's silly. And I thought, yeah. So, th- so there you go. It's not silly. It's no. actually, it's actually what the word means. And it's God is love, not a sticky, sentimental <laughs> Valentine's Hallmark kind exactly. of love. God is the power yeah. of love. And if you're a philosophy major out there and you've been reading any of Zizek, who's you know Slavo Zizek, the Serbian yeah. philosopher, um, you could, you will know that you can be an atheist Christian as well, which is how he defines himself. Absolutely. So uh, we have to go. But it's been so much fun. It's horrible to leave you. <laughs> <laughs> Here on the Radical Reverend Show, uh, yes, uh, Reverend was the uh, the catchword of the day. Thank you so much, Reverend Christine oh, Smaller, for, for being being you. part of this adventure. Thank you so much, Riley and Jasmine on the other side of the, the glass, and of course uh, the wonderful station, uh, CIT eighty nine point five FM. Um, please follow us on podcast too. Until the next time on the Radical Reverend Show. Trouble so hard, don't nobody know my trouble but God. Don't nobody know my trouble but God. Ooh, Lord, trouble so hard. Ooh, Lord, trouble so hard.